Hello, and welcome to Conversational Leadership with Jay Mann. I'm your host, Jay Mann, Superintendent of the Creighton School District, and today we're going to talk about raising voice. Raising voice is an important concept in leadership, particularly in conversational leadership. It's, it's really one of the reasons we engage in conversational leadership, is to ensure that we're hearing the voice of everyone who's involved in our organization, our community, uh, and that we're giving voice to those who might not have an opportunity to have their voice heard. Um, it's also important that we focus on a broad spectrum of voice, that we're not just hearing from one corner of our constituency, that we're not just hearing from the loudest group or an individual group because it's the group we're most comfortable conversing with. We want to make certain that we're creating an equity of voice uh, through raising voice in our community. And so there are a lot of different opportunities uh, that we can create for raising voice. They can be um, everything from putting ourselves out there and being available to have one-on-one conversations, to having large group events where we get input from people. In Creighton, one of those regular large group events that we do quarterly is our uh, community council where we bring together um, staff and parents and community members and partners to have conversations about what's happening in our schools, to bring forward topics of interest to them. Um, We even sometimes bring in outside uh, professional development and trainers uh, to share information that's helpful and useful to our parents and our community. Um, And we always, one of the pieces we always include is we save time at the end for those table conversations between everyone in attendance and the leadership at their school, which would be their principal and their assistant principal. We intentionally create these conversations um, to raise the voice of those individuals and put them in a position to be able to comfortably share with each school site's leadership what their concerns are, what their um, what they're lauding at their school, because you know these are the things that we see as successful. We want more of this, less of that. Uh, and so that's created some great opportunities at the school level as well as at the district level. We often bring things we're wrestling with at a district level to that group as well. And we, we have other groups that we work with in those group environments, uh, but it is important to have a variety of groups and opportunities because not everyone's available you know, for any given opportunity to share voice. And so I, I want to talk a little bit today about sort of the the range of groups that we might work with. Um, And so we're going to talk about a group that you might think, oh, well, these folks have a lot of power. They have the opportunity and the space to have their voice raised. Um, And that would be our governing board. So this is a group of five individuals who are the five leaders of the district. They are uh, the elected officials that the community has selected to make decisions about the direction uh, and the policies that govern our district. Um, they are the supervisor as a group of the superintendent. So they're a group of individuals who technically have a lot of power, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, they're, that their voice is raised. And then the second group that we'll talk about is going to be students, right? So at the end of the day, we are all here to serve our students. 
We are here to ensure outcomes for them that are positive, um, in particular academic outcomes that are positive. And so without their participation and their voice, it's sometimes very difficult for us to be successful in doing these things. Or we might think we're being successful um, and in fact, we're actually doing things that are detrimental to the process of helping those students be successful. So let's start off with talking a little bit about um, as facilitators of voice, you know, why we might need to help raise the voice of a group with power like our governing board. Um, in, in my time here in the Creighton District, um, I've often heard things expressed by a majority of the governing board that are concerns or interests that aren't necessarily taken up by the superintendent or the leadership in the district. And so uh, we have a situation where they have an opportunity to share their viewpoint, to share their concerns. But one of the challenges that a governing board deals with is that they really hold no power, they have no influence technically as individuals, shouldn't say they have no influence, but they have no more influence than any other parent or community member. Um, and yet, um, they have been elected to guide the district, and as a body, they do have that ability to influence, but one of the challenges that's created for them is they have this concept of open meeting. And so when the governing board does their work, they have to do it in open meeting. They cannot make decisions or even have discussions of more than two board members at a given time about any topic that has an impact on the district outside of that open meeting. And that often makes it difficult for them to work as a group of five to effectively kind of have their voice heard. Uh, and then in those open meetings, in that format, often they may be asked for input and feedback, but, you're, but they don't necessarily have the mechanisms to vote to provide that feedback. And so it sometimes becomes difficult to be able to identify, is this something that one person has a strong interest in, that two people have a strong interest in, or that a majority of the board has a strong interest in? And so um, one of the things that you know, is important to me as a leader, um, and that I think is import truly important for conversational leadership, is very often when you're in a role like the superintendent, you see yourself as needing to be the expert. You need to, you know, bring your expertise to bear on a situation. You need to be right in every moment. And my advice to others would be, let go of that. Being the expert is not important. Being right isn't important. What's important is being that facilitator of raising voice, because none of us is as smart as all of us. And so the more voices that we have at the table, there's this concept out there, we may have talked about it in some of the other podcasts, that the group is often much smarter than any individual in the group. And so this is certainly the case for any leader in a leadership role, that the group that they work with, whether it be their bosses as the five members of the board or their leadership team or their teachers or their students or their parents or their community member, those groups and particularly those groups coming together are much wiser, much smarter than any one individual like the superintendent. And so for my role, what's important to me is that I'm doing things to facilitate hearing that voice of the board. 
But I'll take it a step further. Um, our governing board really impressed me recently when there were concerns that were being brought up around student discipline policy. And student discipline policy is, is a huge monster. It's, it's a lot of words tied to a lot of state statute, very complex, with very strong direct impacts on the everyday lives of students. So when you make changes to a discipline policy, there are enormous opportunities to create unintended consequences which don't necessarily have the beneficial effect that you're looking for. And our governing board was wise enough to decide, yeah, there's a group of five, and they have a lot of wisdom as a group of five, but rather than just tackling that on their own, they've decided to raise other voices, to pull together a governing board committee that's going to be doing work over an extended period of time. Um, basically, they're targeting having recommendations back to the governing board by May 7th for changes to student discipline policy. And they're working as a committee of nine individuals with the availability of uh, community input through public comment and also with an intention to go out and draw in other public comment, both as individual members and through the process of bringing it to our April 11th community council meeting to have the recommendations at that point uh, reviewed by the community, by the broader public. And so this is a very large broadening of scope and scale of voice um, that's very powerful. And the five individuals on the board will still have an opportunity to weigh in because they will be the ultimate decision makers based on whatever those recommendations are that are coming forward. But I, for one, believe that those recommendations will certainly be stronger by virtue of the broad range of voice that is now involved in the conversation around what should these policies look like to ensure the success of our students, to support our teachers and our staff, to put us in a position to have success with our goals and objectives as a district, and still remain in alignment as they need to with the necessary state statutes um, and requirements based on, on the laws of the state of Arizona. So um, I think that's a really, really powerful example of how, how one group with power can actually pass that power off to others to some extent to broaden the conversation and improve the quality of the outcomes for our kids and community. Um, example on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we talked about ultimately it's our students who are the recipients of the work that we do here in the district and that our really our ultimate goal is the success of those students. But how often do we ask the students what their opinion and perspective is? How often do we have conversations with those students to raise their voice and ensure that we're hearing from them, from their perspective? They're sort of at that bird's eye view of what's actually happening in our classrooms and how what's happening in our classrooms affects them and their learning experience and their development as young people. And so one of the things that we've done in Creighton is the development of the Creighton Kids Congress. Now, this doesn't give us, you know, hundreds of students to be able to hear the voice of, but it gives us a representative sample and it, and it brings together two students from every school 
We bring them together and we do work with them, um, not only to do a little bit of team building with them to get them to be able to work as a functional team, as a Creighton Kids Congress, but we also leverage those opportunities of having those conversations with them to look at other aspects of our work that really will be well served by a conversation with students about what their perspective is on how those things can be successful to them. So I'll give you two examples of work that was done with the Creighton Kids Congress that had huge impacts on the district. Um, the first one was when we were in the process of developing uh, the Creighton Academy, and, and we've repeated this again now as we've been working uh, to do development for the um, the new school that we're in the process of rebuilding, um, Kennedy Rebuild, um, which is intended to be an outdoor learning school. When we did the rebuild of the Creighton Academy, we did not have this Creighton Kids Congress structure to go to um, to get in, input and design. So what we fundamentally did is um, we drew in a couple of students from the school, and we really did get valid input by raising their voice. In fact, um, one of the features that, that seems to catch people's attention every time we do a tour of the school and that you hear the students talk about a lot that they love about that school was the inclusion of indoor slides from the second floor to the first floor. That would have never happened without student voice being involved. And there are a lot of other features of that school in the actual physical construction and design of the school that came from those very brief um, and limited conversations with students. But because we didn't have a kids' congress, it was very limited the amount of input and feedback that we could get from our students. Moving forward to our work as we've been working with the design team for the rebuild of Kennedy and the outdoor learning focus has come about, um, because of having Creighton Kids Congress, we've been able to get the input of two students from every school around the district multiple times during the course of the design phase. And so the students have not only had the opportunity to make recommendations to us of features that should be in the school, what works and doesn't work in their current schools, you know, what things are important to them and what things they'd like to never see again in a school. But beyond that, we've literally, on multiple occasions, been able to show them um, design elements of the school, potential design elements of the school, uh, layouts, uh, floor plans, uh, feature sets, and get their input in each of those areas. And that input has had a strong impact on what we are ultimately working on um, constructing at that campus. And we will continue to have that student input as we talk about the instructional design elements of the school as well. We're sort of moving into that phase of the fine-tuning of the physical design um, and the fine-tuning of the in instructional elements that might be unique for that school campus. And those student voices um, have definitely been raised. And, and the input and the feedback that we've had from the students is that they enjoy, not only do they enjoy that work, but they feel that their voice is being valued. And what we've seen is really powerful input that an adult probably couldn't have provided to the process because we just don't have that same perspective. We're not living that student experience in the same way every day as these students are. We saw this, an example of this during the pandemic as well. So we were meeting virtually with Creighton Kids Congress during that time frame when uh, nobody was in, physically in the schools. 
and it was shared with us, we were just asking them, what's been challenging about being remote? And one of the students shared with us that, well, you know, I miss so much class because of my siblings. And we're like, well, what do you mean by you miss so much class because of your siblings? Well, different grade levels have different lunch times. And because I'm the oldest, I make lunch for all of my, for myself and all of my siblings. So when it's my lunch time, my studies are, are paused for lunch. I make myself lunch. I eat lunch. But because there are other times throughout the day when my siblings are having their lunch, I have to step away from the virtual class to prepare their lunch and make sure that they get to eat as well. And so this is very disruptive to my learning experience. And what really dawned on us is, well, this makes sense. The parents are at work. The students, in many cases, are home alone by themselves. And that oldest sibling is sort of the, the person who's responsible for the younger siblings. And so, of course, they're helping with supporting lunch. And why did we have our lunches structured like this? Well, we went to the virtual environment very quickly. And during the day, we can't put all of the grade levels in the cafeteria at the same time. So we schedule our lunches based on grade levels. And we just carried that over. But it, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense in the virtual environment. And we had no awareness of that because all of this was happening from our observational level off camera. We, you know, we did not know that it was having this level of disruption for students. We asked the other students. They're like, oh, yeah, this is a big problem for us. We reached out to students beyond Creighton Kids Congress, heard from them, yes, this is definitely a problem. And we couldn't turn around instantly to make the change because it was a significant changing of schedules. But we found out about this kind of in the second quarter and between second and third quarter, we were able to restructure schedules so that when we came back from winter break, instead of the kids having their lunch schedules by grade levels, they now had a common lunch period. Um, and when we were able to check in later in third quarter with our Kids Congress students to see, is this an improvement? They were like, this has made things so much easier for us. It's not only reduced the disruption to our learning, but it's also given us a more comfortable opportunity, you know, to spend some positive time with our siblings and be able to enjoy the fact that we're able to have this meal together instead of having it be a point of stress for them. So that was an easy, easy fix that we would have never had visibility on without raising the voice of our students. Um, and for us, doing that through the mechanism of this Creighton Kids Congress. So again, you know, I think it's really, really important that we maintain that concept as leaders that one of our most important responsibilities is to be facilitators of voice. And as we're facilitators of voice, it's important for us to keep in mind the four elements of conversational leadership, which are intimacy, interactivity, inclusion, and intentionality. So you can see sort of all, how all of those things play themselves out in these different environments of the board's work as a governing board and their work to raise the voice of the community, the uh, community council and working with a broad range of community members, parents, staff, and partners, and then of course in working with our students in our Creighton Kids Congress, also a very important place. Without that inclusion of those students, 
without intentionality behind trying to find out from them what's working and what's not working, without that interactivity of them really being able to truly share with us and that intimacy of us having built their comfort to be able to feel like they can be the ones um, to, to raise these concerns and, and to have their voice heard and to share with these adults who are in a position of power um, to know that we really are valuing their input and feedback. Without all of those four elements being in place with this group of students, we would not have gotten that level of honest feedback that truly had a positive impact on the learning experience for all of our students during a very difficult time for learning. So um, just a couple of brief examples, but it's just important for us to always remember that it is our role as leaders to help raise voice. And one of the most powerful ways we can do that is through our conversational leadership. Thank you for your time today and have a wonderful day.